Hey Swifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Swiftcast. Coming up on this episode, I'm afraid it's got to be done, it's the price rise and matters arising. We have a consumer psychologist. Could Zwift have handled this one better? I was staggered that somebody thought that price increase was okay to make from a consumer psychology perspective. The very latest from Zwift HQ on what we're getting and when we're getting it. There's going to be a course expansion in London in hopefully pre-Christmas, a major course expansion in Watopia in early January. Less controversially, Zwift on Apple TV is out. Great video from Shane. We examine what Apple TV may mean for the platform. The Men's Academy winner is announced. I think I moved to Italy with the team in, uh, sometime in March, so... Excited much? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely excited, yeah, for sure. That's an understatement. And really? Zwift is killing cycling. Yeah, we get a bit more light-hearted towards the end of the cast. <laughs> I said that's an interesting perspective, and I don't think anybody else shares that perspective. <laughs> I think that's as bad as... It was That's pathetic. No, that is a pathetic response. A <laughs> Controversy chaps, we really can't avoid it on this episode, and I've not even mentioned the outages yet. More happily, we've got a chat with Leia Thorvildsen as she enters her second year as a pro after winning Zwift Academy. We've got pro rider Lawrence Tendam on the Zwiftathon for WBR, and we've got Glenn Knight of Zwiftpower.com telling us what's happening with that platform that's so important for racing. Could be a lively one, Shane Miller. Good night, mate. Good evening. Good afternoon. How are we? Uh, good. Busy. Um, yo, dude, Nathan Guerra. How are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm doing well, doing well. Let's just crack on, actually, because to say this edition is packed is an understatement. Putting cards right on the table, right up front, 10 seconds each, price rise. Viewers and listeners will want to know what your particular position is. So here is my position. I think Swift was always ridiculously cheap at 10 bucks a month, and I think it's priced correctly now. I mean, there's much more uh, to discuss than that, but we'll get into that shortly. Um, so, uh, Shane, let's have your position, please. Uh, as I've said previously, they should charge me double. They've met me halfway. Same. I'm with you guys. Uh bang for your buck you're getting a whole lot in the cycling market right now there's not a whole lot of competition in the gaming world let's get some more subscribers and we'll see a whole lot more development to be on par with what we're paying in that space as well a similar price for a whole lot more game uh, well we have a lot more to discuss on that and we will be doing but first of all let's get a view from outside of the zwift bubble phil graves is a consumer psychologist just give us a very brief job description. What does a consumer psychologist do? Uh, a consumer psychologist helps organisations understand how consumers think and make decisions, in a nutshell. Are consumers more sensitive to changes in price when it comes to subscription services than they would be to other purchases? 
at the moment when you make the commitment to sign up to something that you know is going to involve an ongoing payment, the nature of the fact you'll be paying for it every month makes you think about, well, how much do I think I'll use this? So I think it's up in a way a, a bigger hurdle to get over, which of course is tempered by the fact that it's a lower sum of money. People have a very high engagement with this particular product. Personally, I think it's because they sweat a lot whilst they use it. I mean, do you do you think that has an influence on the type of decisions that they would make or the type of reactions that they will have when something quite large like a price increase happens? Uh, I was staggered that somebody thought that price increase was okay to make from a consumer psychology perspective. Because at the point at which you price something you can particularly if you've got an innovative product innovative service people have very little frame of reference what do you compare it to it's so different in so many ways that you're into a whole different scenario however once you have priced it you now have created a prime you have said this is what this costs now, if you then increase that by 50%, the reaction you will get is the same as if you increase anything by 50%. You've created a huge amount of pain in a consumer's mind by putting through such a significant price increase. And that, as I say, from a consumer psychology perspective, I say this never having tried the service, never had, having had anything to do with the service, but purely knowing how consumers respond to numbers uh, and respond to pricing information and respond to price changes. So what you have is a very predictable outcome, even if the value of the service you're delivering is three times what you're actually asking people to pay. So if the business has taken a hard decision in this case that to be sustainable, they need to go from $10 a month to $15 a month, what would be your advice as a consumer psychologist on the best way to get there then, having established that you think that this way is probably not ideal? Um, so um, with hindsight, you, did, well, you, you need to look at how the initial proposition was framed. So in an ideal world, that would have been framed as an, as an introductory price with a tail so that people knew the price change was coming, but we can't go back in time. Um, so what one of the things that you can do is to highlight what the added value is that is going to be delivered as a result of this price increase percentages can be very misleading i mean it's actually a five dollar increase but 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 really that doesn't matter because that the 50 percent thing is what generates outrage and is what fuels fury on social media the the percentage reflects better how consumers brains work mm. than the five dollars if it? you see what i mean yeah which is an important point i think to understand because it comes back to this reaction rather than calculation and in the context that we're describing here the 10 to 15 a percentage is is the reaction that people will is the is in a sense the intuitive calculation that will drive people's reaction there were a great many people threatening to leave the service that they said they loved, you know, mm -hmm. because of this price increase. Have you any empirical or, or even anecdotal information to, to, to show how many people would actually carry through on that threat? Um, the short answer is no. Uh, in terms of data, the 
the sort of anecdotal part of it and the psychological part of it is people say a lot of stuff that's not true. The most important thing for an organisation to do is measure behaviour. Absolutely terrific, Phil. Thank you very much indeed. Very, very illuminating. Nice to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. Guys, Phil obviously thought the 50% uh, rise or hike, has a uh, hike as we now have to call it, uh, was a bit of a mistake. But uh, I mean, let's not rehash that because we've kind of been there and it's all been said. So let's look at the difference between attitude and behaviour, which as Phil pointed out, that difference is often quite a big one. In other words, will people really do what they say they're going to do? And Nathan, do you think all those people who claimed they were going to quit actually will quit in a in a year's time when, when the time comes? Uh, I'm with Phil, no. I think that there's nothing in the market that compares. Now, if a major competitor comes along, and has a much better product, I would say yes, but I would think that it would be priced the same and they'd have to compare at that point. Um, I think it's about the same. I think it's going to be status quo. Those who are sold on Zwift will stay on Zwift. Shane, do you... Th- I mean, an awful lot can happen in a year, and as, as we're about to hear from Steve Beckett, there's an awful lot planned. But do you think at this particular time, Zwift has misjudged the reaction of its users? They would have had to be expecting this coming, I think, for sure. Mm. Um, these with community are very, very passionate bunch. Um, yeah, it wasn't a surprise to me. You've been far too far uh, calm and reasonable about this, Shane. I was expecting at least one Aussie ramp by now. Um, uh, well, we've, we've had we've had that. We've had that. <laughs> yeah, we sure have. And we did have fire and fury. And once that had kind of abated, there were actually some properly interesting points that that came out of the debate. So I kind, of, I kind of pulled those out and I put what I thought were the most interesting to Steve Beckett, who's the marketing uh, head honcho at Zwift. And he was, of course, the voice of Zwift during this whole debate. Now, there was an awful lot of this. So to make it kind of digestible, I've broken it down into four chunks. And let, first of all, let's look at something that Zwift got a lot of stick for. And that was the actual timing of the announcement. Steve, it's great of you to come on. I, I don't think we want to kind of rehash the sort of binary argument about the price rise. Was it right? Was it wrong? Because everybody's got their own views. But it's going to be really interesting to get some thinking from inside uh, ZHQ about about the kind of process around this. I mean, one thing that came up time and time and time again, unsurprisingly, I guess, was this was not a great time to announce a price rise after um, uh, various wobbly platform episodes. Um, So explain for us. The fact that we announced it so soon after platform wobbles caused problems, you know, Mm. these outages caused inconvenience for customers, inconvenience caused frustration. That spills over into a community which is highly networked, you know, and the the classic example is um, all those marvelous facebook groups that we trumpet uh getting together and like giving us a like a short sharp punch on the nose you know so i would say that timing across the board is something that our company needs to look at and we are discussing a lot internally you know we may have what if we're a cat let's just say we would have lost one of our nine lives Mm. last Mm. week um but i I hope the i hope the benefit is that it's going to make us a it's, you know, kept us on our toes more. It saddened me to see the amount of discord in the in the community, which is largely a place that's not discordant. It's largely a place where people help each other. 
uh, and without sounding too all kind of smiley about it, it's usually quite a happy place. And it was a very unhappy place for a few days. Did did that reaction take you guys by surprise? Um, as a company, I'd say overall yes, but in certain quarters, not at all. A lot of people would say it's the five percent that shout the loudest who are the more yeah. kind of militants, but that's because they give a toss, and actually they're our most fervent supporters, and and you know that's validated by you saying the majority of the time, you know, there's so much goodwill amongst the community and we know that that community is our engine of growth like 50 percent of people come to Zwift because they're recommended um by the, their friends right so you can see uh how decisions impact on a very loyal customer base we've got a super loyal customer base and if this was a, a loving relationship one of us might have moved out of the house for a couple of days <laughs> Uh, Shane, bit of a mea culpa. We got it wrong there, I think, from Steve on the timing thing. Yeah, it was a bit awkward. Um, I guess, given the perfect scenario, that wouldn't have happened. But I guess any time they delay, and it's a 12-month announcement, they keep losing money in that respect as well. So I think it was just there, let's pull the trigger on this because we, you know, they want to activate this price rise for everybody in 12 months' time, not 12 months plus a week or 12 months plus four weeks or 12 months mm. plus another three months. They, that was probably the timeline they were working around, not what's happening now. But Nathan, that ended up giving the community or the people, the voices in the community that violently objected to the price rise, that gave them a huge stick to beat Zwift with, which they then uh, did repeatedly. Yeah, but if the stick is in the environment, it happens to be there. Like you're going to tell somebody something and there happens to be like a weapon there suddenly that someone else laid there or somehow ended up there on the, on the ground. I mean, yeah, this is your opportunity to tell them. I really think it was a now or never, not even, not a never, but a now or very, very long down the road. And that wasn't in even maybe possibilities. I'm not quite with you on that. I think they could have, they could have waited a week because a week between a big embarrassing outage and the announcement of a price rise to me actually would have made a long, uh, a lot of difference. I know they say a week is a long time in politics, but I think a week would have been a long time in the, in the Swift world in that, in that particular Situation. Anyway, let's move on from that because it's happened now and there's nothing we can do about it. Now, what Swift can do is something about to assuage the people who are cross and remain cross. It's the kind of deal with Swifters. So uh, you give us a price rise. What are we getting back in return? Here's Steve on that one. I know you probably, and, and Eric said this before, John said this before, you don't particularly want to publish an, an absolute roadmap of where the product's going, but could you not tell the community in a little more detail with a with more specifics on what's coming and when? Yeah, so I think the answer to that question is yes. I can tell you some things that are happening now. You know, there's going to be a course expansion in London in hopefully pre-Christmas, a major course expansion in Watopia in early January. We've spoken about like a virtual goods store, which is slated for Q1. There'll be a new map around March. Android, it's slipped and it's slipped. I can tell you now it's on the roadmap for Q2 2018. Kind of got to be more on the hook about telling you what's coming down the pipeline with uh, a caveat that things slip. Internally, there's a lot of sensitivity here. It's not sensitive because we're like giving any secrets away. You know, we don't suffer from a highly competitive market but you know things inevitably do slip and we need to get over the last point and desensitize ourselves there because 
there's no doubt the product team feel the pressure. You know, they work incredibly hard. They have super high standards. And when things slide, they think they're failing. John Mayfield, in particular, talks about 140 people in our company. We're understaffed. Nathan, pressure on developers to get stuff ready and get it out. I mean, you'll be familiar with this from the gaming world. Is Zwift any worse or better than other games developers? And a tough question, really, because, you know, a lot of other games developers have 20 times the workforce and 50 times the budget. But, I mean, how do they compare on, on you know, getting stuff out there uh, more or less on time? Well, I work with another company called Dauntless that's about similar, well, smaller actually, and we're waiting a lot right now. I'm a partner with them and I'll openly say like, we are waiting on content. I've out-content them for a long time and I feel kind of similar <laughs> actually with Zwift. I've been level 25 for quite a long time and I'm waiting for new content there. So the frequency and releases is on par with the size and age of the company. Yeah, but to be fair to Zwift, I mean, when they do release stuff, it's not buggy. I mean, I, I think the main point that came out of this, or it doesn't tend to be buggy, I mean, they don't pull releases and stuff. I think the main point that came out of this, Nathan, was that we need to be told more, or there's a demand to be told more about what is going to be coming, what is in the pipeline. The games that I follow, they give little tastes. Here, this is a really cool picture of what's on the way. Hey, here is a little trailer of a character that is going to be released, but you don't get a whole lot of information about it. There's a lot of teasing, actually, in the online gaming world. And so they're fairly on par with that. As far as the no bugs thing, they're, I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot go down lately that I think has to do with not being able to test. Load on servers is specifically talked about. I think some of the bugs as well might not be uh, specific to just servers and might be around some, you know, things that have to be worked out with things that were released, perhaps. We'll get into the whole load thing in, in a moment because Steve talks specifically about that and the outage problem. Shane, one, one thing at the end of the, uh, the, the, the Steve's little clip there that he said 140 people and they're understaffed. I mean, that shows us a couple of things. One is that they are growing like Topsy. Yeah, it's surprising, isn't it, where they've come from and they're still understaffed. Um, hiring good people is super, super hard. I know John was struggling well, months back, but I guess it's probably a daily struggle trying to find people of the quality that they require to the tasks that they need to be done. Um, this is a very, very new environment and it's a very new uh, world they're, they're programming for. It's their own world, I guess. Um, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, let's move on. Uh, another big pair of talking points to come out of the debate was this issue of both annual plans and family plans. And here's what Steve said about those two things. I think the reason that people can't understand the absence of an annual plan, particularly in the context of a price rise, is it doesn't take a genius to project that if the monthly sub is more a little bit more expensive or a lot more expensive, depending on your viewpoint, people are more likely to cancel in summer when they use the platform less. So an annual plan, I mean, it kind of looks to your average Joe to be a bit of a no-brainer and therefore its absence is a, is, is a mystery to people. So cl clue us in on, on the thinking of that. To us, it's, it doesn't seem like a no-brainer at all for business reasons. Like we, we want to get probably three years of subscription data under our belt so we can properly measure 
the underlying patterns of churn. So churn, uh, people unsubscribing depends on the type of uh, person they might may be in terms of male, female, age, product usage, what platform they're on, what market they're in, what time of year. And we, we want to know what that natural underlying churn rate is um, without creating noise from a from a yearly subscription plan. The other, the other thing is more philosophical and it's actually very customer facing and customer thinking. Like the bottom line is we don't want to lock people into contracts. We'd much rather have a non-contract uh, subscription on one price point. And I don't want this to sound arrogant at all because it's not meant to, but people can take it or leave it. We should um, look more towards is how we reward loyalty. So you've seen a couple of things recently. So it could be loyalty, it could be tenure, but like you know, we, for all the beta testers, we gave away a special Pinarello 65.1 bike. You know, for for level 10 and above Zwifters, we released the Mayan course expansion. You know, how could we supercharge that more? And in doing so, that would cost the company money i think you know because it's more investment in rewarding loyalty and and um that's where the focus will, will more likely be does this exactly the same thing apply to a family plan again which there's been a consistent clamor for and and again came up over the the price rise debate so if you ask people as well should we have a family plan unanimously people would say yes the complications are like how do you verify a household um you know there are families in households, there are multi-dwelling households of students, for example. And so if you're a single parent with, with th- two kids, you're going to be penalized if it's, if it's like compared to like a household with married parents and kids, for instance. You know? So there's a lot of verification to kind of add into that, and it's a fair bit of work. And um, I guess the, the most clear and honest answer is that when we're looking to develop product and we're scrambling to get course releases into market, it's all because of we want to release product which is applicable to the masses and the family plan isn't applicable to the, yeah. to the masses. And then that's, that's an honest answer because yeah. we'd love to have a family plan in now. And I did speak to Eric about this last night. And to be fair to Eric, he said, look, winter next year, so let's just say, not winter, because obviously we've got a lot of people in the Southern Hemisphere, but September to December is probably the most realistic uh, date at the moment. Shane, it sounds as though an annual plan, which an awful lot of people seem to think that they want, is, well, I, I got the sense from Steve's uh, fairly considered and chosen words on that, that it seemed a way off. Yeah, that's a strange one. I've, I've always been a campaigner for the annual plan. Pay it once and forget about it. And then when it rolls around again, no matter what that figure is, I'm like, have I used Zwift in the last... Of course I have in the last 12 months. Pay the bill, away you go. Given, yeah, what Steve was saying about the seasonal churn, they need more information on that. But I think they've got, what, a year or two years of information already. Just pull the trigger and give people a 12-month incentive to sign up and not churn, and away we go. Family plan. I mean, there seems to be a lot more agreement that that is something they definitely, definitely want to do, and they just need to get around to doing it. One of the common uh, one, long-time users, a long-time viewer, Casey Shum, had a really great point, actually, on family plans, um, that perhaps the best solution would be to make it all on one account, maybe? 
and so then you could add users to one account and with what each user you added to that account would then change the price and then there would be a threshold at which okay now you have so many that you go to multiple accounts or whatever it might be well they are working on it let's hope they they solve it soon um last thing i talked to steve about was um the outages uh, now, Steve, it will be the first to say he's not a tech guy, um, as he does, in fact, in this clip. But let's hear what oh, he shit. does say about the outages. We've suffered a few, um, some high-profile ones. Uh, for those of us who have been on the platform a while, there was a kind of weird and rather horrid feeling of familiarity about some of them. So what, what can you tell us without deep diving into, you know, lines of code about what the problem is and whether it's close to being fixed? Okay, well, you're asking the wrong person if you want to <laughs> um, deep lines of code because, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like the messenger boy here. I think most people would say, are we out of the woods? Uh, my short answer is no, we're not out of the woods. Uh, why? I think because I don't think we're ever going to be out of the woods. And why is that? And I think go back to like we're a fast-growing tech platform and there are lots of fast-growing tech platforms, but it's, for us, it's hard to simulate loads. And we've been synthetically simulating loads right, right throughout the summer because we think at some point this winter, there's probably going to be like 12,000 concurrent users. Wow. But there's not clear, there's, clearly there's not a linear relationship in real life with synthetic loads. So we're continually... Uh, trying to optimize hardware and software. And there's a lot of configuration here. And I think that's important to important point to make because it's not just about adding servers, right? Mm. So what I can say in my position is we're consistently monitoring things and uh, testing behind the scenes. And things have improved over the last two weeks since Andre Greipel, um, you know, that ride that, uh, we put on with Andre actually, you know, crashed the system. I think uh, the team are getting on on top of things in in Long Beach, but the short term, I know the short answer is we can't guarantee there won't be hiccups in future. So, ask an honest question. I hope you get an honest answer. <laughs> I think what's really disappointing for people is uh, when people when all this frustration uh, spills over onto Swift riders and people are like saying, you know, the server down. What's going on? Is it my internet? can't log on to ZML, uh, they should just be able to go to a go-to place where wherever you are in the world, because there are, this does vary in different places of the world, you get a clear answer in real time that acknowledges what outages or hiccups we might be, be having. Well, I guess it drives you guys as crazy as it drives people who have got their bib shorts on and jumped on the trainer and can't get on. Yeah, look, I, I think the frustration is equal. You know, you, I, what... The difference is we can see your frustration, but you can't see our frustration. Mm. Uh, Shane, my ears picked up, I'm sure yours did, 12,000 12, concurrent users expected this winter. That's bigger than the Yenzi ride that crashed Zwift way back, and uh, yeah, bigger than the uh, ALS ride as well. So, yeah, look, I'd love to see 12,000 people on the platform at once. Can it handle it? Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, Nathan, I mean, I think Steve was saying no guarantees, dudes. I'm afraid this is going to keep happening and we're still not quite sure why. 
Um, I thought that the idea about telling us what's going on very clearly, though, with a one-stop shop is a very good idea. Uh, service status page. Uh, ser server status page is amazing. Whenever I'm playing WoW or in some other MMOs that do this very well, I can go and check if my server's ready to go. Like, oh, or if I'm having an issue, I can see right away it's not me by visiting that site and see if the servers are good. If they are, then I know it's me. Then I know I have an issue and I can fix it on my end. You know, so uh, I thought that was a great solution because this is just reality in these spaces a lot of times when it comes to MMOs. So, go Nathan, ahead. When, you, when, when you say this is just a reality, you, you, mean, you mean outages are just something we have to learn to live with? They happen a lot within MMOs. Online spaces where lots of people from all over the world are interacting are going to have issues. Now, having massive issues where the whole of everywhere is experiencing an issue usually gets solved within minutes. Now, when they use the word bugs, that seems different than server issues, right? And so mm -hmm. server issues and whether or not your internet or the internet out there is working somewhere and fibers or whatever the heck is going on with somebody's server that they're buying from somebody, is not is having a problem. That's one thing. Bugs within the game is another thing. And so if they're saying they're trying to work out being able to handle 4,000 plus or 5,000 plus, whatever that is, and that's specific to the game, then yeah, they can work that out and fix that. And I think that's what he was aiming at there. It's finally on this, I think, actually. Uh, and that was very illuminating from you, actually, Nathan. Uh, you know, um, the, the, there does seem to be a difference between the two things. One may be fixable, one may not be. We may just have to learn to live with it. But finally on this, um, and you've already alluded to this, actually, Shane, this whole episode has made me look at the number of my regular subscriptions. For me, uh, it was Strava Premium, actually. Strava Premium went. I took a look at Strava Premium. I looked at how much I was paying for it. I looked at what I was getting for it. I looked at how often I used the features I was paying for. And I thought it's just not worth it, actually. Mm -hmm. So I cancelled. I, I actually think, Shane, I think I may not be alone on that. Did, could this hurt Strava, do you think? Look, it all comes down to personal value. And it's really hard to, I guess, argue what your personal value is and try and make others believe that to be the case for them as well. Um, that's why it's really interesting. I guess the psychologists will have a field day reading the current forums about people trying to convince other people it's not valuable for them. But it's all down to the individual, um, I guess, value you put on it. For example, Strava Premium. I, I was digging around. I'm like, I'm going to keep Strava Premium because I like what they do. I love the analytics that I can get from the back end. It gives me some more content to talk about. So I'll keep my Strava Premium. But I thought, what more can I get for this? What does my 12-month subscription to Strava do? And I found hidden away that it's a $20 gift voucher from a place to orders and bike parts online. So that mm. took the heat off that a little bit. I jumped online and ordered a new set of tires, use that $20 voucher, and great, that's more value for me. So you've really got to dive in and find out what those premium features do offer on any service, yeah. not just Strava, and then put them to the sword. If a company isn't offering enough value, let them know for sure, because if enough people are noisy, companies will act. Finally on this, has this done long-term damage for relations with the community? No, not at all. We'll move on. Um, something else will come out. Look at the look at the excitement that came around the new uh, the new course that opened the other week. That was massive. Everyone was high-fiving, except if you're not level 10. But look, everyone got over that part as well. People will just move on. What's the next battle? Let's keep fighting. I mean, we've got mm -hmm. to keep it positive as well because if you just if people just keep on the negative all the time, and nah, it won't last. A little bit of an increase. People will just take that step and we'll be rolling on. It's all good. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I think I, I think, and I hope that's true. I mean, I, I hope uh, listeners and viewers don't think that we've dwelt on this for too long, but it was a big thing and it did generate a lot of debate. And, you know, I felt we had to cover it in some detail. And I think we have done that. And um, I think you've had a good variety of views from us three, apart from the unanimity on the fact that we all think that Zwift was too cheap. But but that's what we think, you know, (laughs) listeners and viewers, that's what we think. So, you know, it's as well that you know that. Um, Okay. Let's actually move on now and let's hear uh, from, that's well, a really happy story actually, this is a great story. Let's hear from Ollie Jones. He's the young New Zealander who's won a pro contract with Dimension Data's under 23 team after winning the Zwift Academy. And uh, Ollie was as chuffed as a very chuffed person to uh, to have won that, as you'll see. Uh, a really great little uh, little interview with Ollie coming up. Here it is. Uh, welcome to the Zwiftcast, Sir Ollie Jones. Well, there's only one thing to say, really, Ollie, which is uh, well done, dude. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I, I saw the announcement rapidly followed by the uh, dunking in the pool, but um, once you'd got dried off and uh, it had sunk in, how good was it? Well, it's still sinking in, to be honest, but it's, it's just, yeah, totally surreal. Like, I had probably the week, the week of my life there at the at the camp and just to top it off with um, basically what I set out to do three months ago, it's, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic feeling for sure when you're in something like this and you're down to the last three you must think well i might make it or you must get a feeling or you know what did you think did you think you were going to get the you were going to get the pick or honestly we're all at such a similar level it was just who they sort of felt was the type of rider they wanted for the team i think um yeah i mean (laughs) that's basically all it came down to in my opinion i mean i I felt like I had a really good week on the bike, um, on and off the bike, and I think I'd done really good numbers to get to that point, and um, I was confident in what I'd done myself, but so were the other guys, and just, yeah, I was the type of rider that they wanted, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. There is the whole type of rider thing, but, I mean, to an extent, also, it's a popularity contest, isn't it? I mean, it is kind of how you get on with the team. So, have you got to go around the place kind of cracking jokes and trying to be liked? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. I was, um, yeah, well, it was a, such a surreal opportunity. I mean, I just wanted to socialise with all the World Tour guys anyway. I mean, they're all my heroes, and it all just felt really, really natural, to be honest. So it just felt like we're all a bunch of mates there having a bit of fun and uh, really having a great time. Had you, had you done your homework on, yes. uh, on, on the team? Did you know who was who before you went? Oh, I think there's no real homework needed. I mean, I've been watching those guys for however long. I mean, I know, I know all the guys, I know all their stats, I know, I know everything about them already. Um, without being a stalker, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and did you did you get a uh, chance to spend any time with Cav and the and the, and the big stars? Yeah, we did meet Kev, <laughs> for sure. Um, cracked a few jokes with Kev. I mean, he's a pretty easy guy to crack a few jokes with. He likes to crack a few himself, so. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Well, listen, very, very, very well done. Let, let's get on to the sporting bit. Uh, what are you, Ollie? You a climber? Um, well, in terms of what's per kilo, my climbing's pretty good. I'm probably more of a uh, more of a classics guy, more of a yeah. you know bad weather, um, yeah. hard man sort of thing. Oh, but man. yeah, still in terms of what's per kilo, I mean, I can still hold my own up a climb. So yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah. You've you've obviously made the cut. You've you've clearly clearly got what it takes. So uh, what next? It's, it's 
it's pack bags up sticks and move to Italy is it not we got no solid plans yet but I think I moved to Italy with the team in, uh, sometime in March so excited much <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely excited yeah for sure that's an understatement well brilliant listen well done mate I mean that was like a week long job interview with a few pretty hard bike rides thrown in I would have thought and uh <laughs> Uh, you, yeah. you you came out of it clearly having done a pretty damn fine job. Uh, huge congratulations. Uh, there'll be lots of Zwifters interested in following your progress. Um, really good luck when you move to Italy. I'm sure we'll be talking again. And uh, yeah. re- really well done, Ollie. Well done. Thank you very much. Shane, uh, I mean, he just seems like such a lovely lad, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, if if people are watching that on video, he just, you know, he's got a smile on his face the whole time. And I also understand he is a bit of a monster on a bike, actually, as you, as you would expect. And I think you're pretty big mates with his coach, Dr. Stephen Lane. Um, I think Ollie will do well, don't you? Yeah, for sure. I got a uh, phone call pretty late one night from a very excited coach. One that had been announced, and uh, Doctor Slane, as I call him, Slane, uh, says, "Oh, you wouldn't believe who's just won." I'm like, "I wasn't keeping a track of the news. Who was it? Was it your boy?" He's like, "Yeah." So he was super happy. Um, Ollie's always been known as the kid from New Zealand who's putting out monster, monster numbers, and I think Doctor Slane has been uh, questioning his power meter quite a few times so but the numbers are real we've, we've validated we've verified we've zero offsetted the kid is the real deal so it's really good great kid good ambassador um and i just have to correct you on a word there you said he'd be chuffed i think in new zealand it'd be chiffed he'd be chiffed <laughs> for it <laughs> nathan uh, the, the thing about the price rise is it's kind of legitimized the asking of questions about how zwift allocates its resources so the academies i mean we've got the male academy and the female academy they clearly cost with some money and we'll discuss a bit more about that in a minute is it worth is it worth the money they spend on it first of all i gotta say shout out to ollie vision cycling Mm. he rides for vision in game gotta do that (laughs) quentin would kill me if i didn't no nice job to ollie amazing job very cool and uh here's the thing i think swift does a lot of things for the sake of cycling and Mm. for mission Eric talked about mission, mission, mission. And so upfront, it is worth it for the sake of cycling and the developing of an amazing idea into a reality, which is obviously happening. Okay. So you just brought me a market question. And I said, in response, this is not a market question. This is a um, sake of cycling as a sport question. And they just developed a program in which takes a U23 rider and places them without the opportunity otherwise into a pro team. That is worth its, that's yeah. worth its weight in coin a hundred percent because yeah. I was the product of, and many other pro wannabes I know out there, people who wanted to be a pro did not have the opportunity and Zwift is creating opportunity. That's worth it first. Yeah. Secondly, though, the payoff is amazing, though, because of the marketing that it is getting through pro teams they now have association with. You just mentioned Mark Cavendish, Team Dimension Data, Steve Cummings. We were mentioning, you know what I mean? So there's obviously a great association then that's taking place with the marketing dollars that are being spent on the back end of an amazing idea. So, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think every single penny that that, that Zwift spends or invests, in fact, is a better word, in, in the academies is absolutely money well spent i mean you know they're supporting cycling they're supporting people who want to get into cycling and and get into give giving people opportunities they would never never normally have had 
you know, well done Zwift. And I've been a great supporter right from the very beginning and, and I certainly don't change that now. And Ollie looks to be, um, as you say, a great, great ambassador and a really good recruit, no doubt, not only for the team, but but for cycling, you know, cycling needs young lads like that, I think. Um, anyway, uh, let's catch up with Leia as we're on the Academy's beat. Leia's just about to enter her second year as a rider for Team Canyon Shram. And I caught up with her in a, in a brief rest period when she was back home in the States. Here's Leia. Leia, contract extension, another year with the pro team. There were doubters. Isn't it always good to be proved right? <laughs> well, well, of course, <laughs> of course it is. Um, I am certain there still are doubters, um, and that's okay. Listen, pro teams don't give out contracts for fun. They give out contracts to people who they think can be a valuable member of the team. So, therefore, right. you know, you you proved yourself. I think I've proven more than anything just that um, that I really am all in. I wasn't a miracle, you know. I, course it would have been it would have been a really great story if i'd gone there and just oh whoa i have no experience and i finished on the podium of a world tour race but that 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 would literally take a miracle so i think it's just i've proven that i am improving um and i will work hard to continue to do so and it's a world tour pro team it's not like you said those contracts aren't handed out i do think that i earned it when when the team manager when the ds got you in for the chat I don't know how it works I don't know whether he knocked on your door or you knocked on his door but anyway as you sat down what did you think he was going to say I I had never imagined it would be an option but once I got even a glimpse that it might be it's like I didn't I didn't even want to have a conversation about going somewhere else until I heard out what it was Ronnie wanted to say yeah. which in the end is what I, what I did I didn't I waited until we had a conversation and fortunately when we did, it was it was that you know he asked me what my plans were, and then you know, I stumbled around like I do. Well, well, you know I I, I would love to have another another year with you guys, and and he so yeah, it was a huge it was a huge sigh of relief and a and a wonderful just unbelievably amazing news when he said you know we we would like to keep you around another year and i just yeah i was just over the moon there have been moments this year there i mean there have genuinely been moments i mean that post that you wrote from from the giro i read some of it out on a previous swiftcast and i mean that was you know that was from the heart and you could just tell from every word just how tough some of it's been so why do you want to do it again I literally had days that I was in tears on the bike. It was just like, I couldn't, like, I didn't even have anything left to go faster, you know, on there. And, but I've, but I've learned so much. I don't feel like my ability has been topped out. I feel like I can get better. So I want another chance. I think more than more than it matters to me to prove it to any doubters, because they're always going to have doubters and haters and whatever. People are going to be people, but but I think I want to prove it to me. I don't think that I'm done. I want another shot. You know, it's you know, it's like there's days out there, and I had to tell myself that too. It's like you know, you don't you don't want to make excuses, but it's just like the reality is, I was a cat four racer trying to survive in a pro peloton. Logistically, uh, what are you going to do different next year? Are you going to live in Europe? Uh, is that, you know, you're still going to be traveling back and forth to the States? I don't know. That's, that's something we're 
there's uh, that hasn't been finalized just yet. Um, I'm I'm getting used to the fact that you often kind of don't know these things until <laughs> so it would be easier on the team, easier on myself if I were able to establish one place. But um, at the at the present time, I don't I don't know. I can recommend Girona, Leia. Girona's really nice. There's also there's lots of women's teams in Girona as well as men's teams as well. I've heard nothing but good things about Girona. Here, what I've heard about it, it sounds it sounds like it would be um, a great option. Um, You'd love it. love it. And what are the what are the sporting ambitions for next year? What what do you think you could achieve? I don't want to pussyfoot around, I guess, the goals, but I do realize that the most important thing for me in in the bigger races will be to be a consistent person working for the team that it's like, I can't, it can't even be an optional goal. Like I need to be able to consistently be counted on by my teammates and be up there working. If I'm not working for the team at a smaller race like that, I think it would be to try to podium or to try to win. Um, and then of course, looking at the U S nationals, um, I would like to have a top 10. Um, the, the next winner of the next Academy I, she's going to be such a lucky girl because she's going to come into the team and she's immediately going to have a pal, isn't she? No, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And I certainly don't want it to be me and her versus the rest right, of the yeah, team. Yeah. I know that if I, I know that I will be doing whatever I can to make sure that this person feels included and feels welcome. I'm sure lots of Zwifters will be really interested in, in knowing this. After a year in that, I mean, it's like a crazy question, really, because you're bound to be fitter. But after a year in the Pro Peloton, how different do you feel as an athlete? I mean, do you feel like so much fitter and stronger? Fitter and stronger, yes. I hate to say, like, how much better my skills feel, because I think, you know, compared to an experienced pro, you still would look at me and just say like, really, you, yeah, you yeah. think your bike handling is great. Yeah. And it's not that I think it's great. It's just that there's been leaps and bounds for me in my comfort level. That's what's changed the most. Like yeah. I did see an improvement in my fitness, but I think I don't consider myself a total segment chaser, but there's a few QOMs in the city that I like to keep <laughs> and, you know, just like busting my own records wide open. So I know that I'm more fit, yeah. but I think I don't know that that feels different. It's just kind of like when people say they say it doesn't get easier, you just get faster. Right. Well done, Leia. I'm sure you've got so many people rooting for you. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you again. Bye bye. Bye. Well, as money and dollars has been such a big talking point in the Zwift community in the past couple of weeks, it, it is worth the question, I guess, of asking Zwift what level of support they are lending, if any, to Leia and Canyon Shram to facilitate her second year. Um, I guess I thought if I didn't ask this question, people would have probably wanted it asked or it might have been voiced elsewhere so I just thought you know kind of lance the boil ask the question so I asked Eric and this was uh, Eric Min the chief exec of uh, Zwift I asked him the question and this was his answer well I mean we're supporting the team uh, the, the and the program and the um, so our support for the team has increased the the pro team it's a, it's a business and um, it's a partnership because we're bringing a, a, uh, a program 
that helps promote the team. And you know, there's a lot of content being created, not just for us, but for, for the team and its sponsors. There are thousands of people who'd like to see Leah go through this journey, and they want to be part of that journey with her. Um, so, you know, for her to finish after one year, it's like unfinished story, right? Shane, um, straightforward question, pretty straightforward answer. It looks to me as though they are paying part or maybe all of, of Leia's salary. Um, I've got no problem with that, actually. You? Yeah, no, not at all. It's, um, I guess, every dollar put into cycling, keeping cycling alive, um, especially for the women's side of things, which is des desperately underfunded, as we know, um, that's a good thing. Um, if it's going to encourage more people to look at pro cycling and then maybe want to act out pro cycling themselves like we do here indoors, it's going to be good for their business. So long term, yep, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, well, as we're um, in this whole area of competitive cycling, um, as we know, there is a big branch of competitive cycling on, on Zwift. Uh, and for competitive cycling, you need results. And for results in any depth, you need ZwiftPower.com. And ZwiftPower.com has been down over the last few days. So I whistled up um, the main man at the website, Glenn Knight, and asked him for some background. Here's Glenn. Welcome to the Swiftcast to Glenn Knight, the one and only Mr. Swift Power. Glenn, um, the recent events reminded me of a Joni Mitchell song, actually, or a line from a Joni Mitchell song. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Yeah, you could say that. Um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, so just give us the background, Glenn. Why, why, why did it go away, putting me in mind of Joni Mitchell, and, and why has it come back? What's the story? We sort of posted to say that we were taking on um, like an anti-cheating uh, initiative. Uh, as a result of that, we kind of started making more data available on Swift Power. Um, there, there, there was some exception taken to this um, and uh, a legal claim made as a result of which uh, we had to take action relatively quickly um, to protect us uh, and also to protect uh, other race organisers who use our service. Mm. I mean, the backstory, as I understand it, Glenn, is that you're going to get tough on cheating, which I think absolutely everybody will applaud. But to do so, you're going to need slightly more stringent terms and conditions so that when people sign up to Zwift Power, they're basically saying, if you catch me out cheating, uh, I give you my permission to make that public. I mean, without all the legalese, is that kind of the story? I think the Zwift uh, eCrit series that we were involved in, the Oz one, um, that, that's kind of a prime example, really, that the, the onus was on us to produce the results on behalf of Swift. So in effect, we were disqualifying riders from the opportunity of uh, an all expenses paid live trip to Melbourne. I guess we kind of had to take stock of that and actually think well, we're, we're, we're taking opportunities away from people. And quite rightly, if they've not agreed for us to use their data in this way, I'd say they've probably got a stake on it. So yeah. Um, We've kind of taken steps to make sure that we're not put in that position in the future. And I, I think we're not we're not really doing anything different to what the real world racing scene does. It's not real life, but it's not quite a game either for a, a lot of racers that do take it very seriously. And as the user base grows, I mean, we've got 20,000 registered users on Swift Power. Mm. Um, so you know, that's that's not an insignificant number uh, all across the world. And um 
we just need to, yeah i think we just need to protect ourselves really so um that we took that decision um we've used it as an opportunity as well to, to make lots of improvements to the site we've we've taken the opportunity to move or partially move our infrastructure um to allow us to migrate to n- a new setup um so you know it, it's it's not been all down um but it has been a, a torrid week or so yeah um, but yeah. um you know, we're, we've taken legal advice. We're working um, with Swift and um, to help with that. And uh, hopefully we'll have some uh, a, a more rigid solution uh, in the next week or so. Uh, good work, Len. Nice to talk to you. And good luck with the relaunched full fat version. Thanks, Simon. Always a pleasure. Shane, data cheating privacy confidentiality putting stuff up in public on websites these are deep 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 waters yeah for sure and has to be tied up in policy i guess uh, terms and conditions um and everybody has to be protected so but in this day and age of uh, data breaches um, which is my other hat that i wear um, in the it security side of things it's uh the lawyers love it. They really do. They get to create a lot of documents and uh, yeah, make sure everyone's protected. <laughs> Take all their money. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, let's let's not talk about, about lawyers. Um, Nathan, I mean, do I mean, do you think? I mean, I mean, I know we live in a world now where if you make a job application, some employers will check out your social media to see that you're not well. They'll check out your social media. Um, I mean, do you think being potentially named on a DQ list for a virtual bike racing game could really end up on, say, an employer's desk or a a prospective employer's desk? I mean, do you think people have to be that sensitive about their what they're doing online and how that reflects on their on their analog life these days? I think it depends on how blown up the situation got Mm -hmm. and how devious you seemed in the situation. Right. Right. A reflection of character. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if I found out I was going to employ somebody and I found out that they went to great lengths in order to cheat everybody else out of a situation in this space then there would be a reflection on character then, right? So like this person's very volatile in these situations. If they were in that situation with me in the future, things could get very volatile, right? So those two things paired together, how devious with how volatile, yeah, I could think it could. Yep, excellent points, actually. Really excellent points. Okay, um, good luck with that, Glenn, and dealing with the the lawyers. Never a, never a cheap process. Um, let's move on to... God, we seem to be obsessed with money uh, um, on, on this particular episode, <laughs> on, on, surprisingly. And, and my, my next link... You keep link, bringing it up, Simon. You just want to talk about money. <laughs> well, there seems to be a kind of common theme this week. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I've written down here. You know, a way to save a few dollars on getting onto Zwift is to is to go via via <laughs> Apple TV, which, 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 which came out. Um, it sort of dropped out. It kind of limped out almost. <laughs> Shane, it, it kind of almost came out <laughs> kind of by accident. It seemed to me, and and this I- is like it's a big deal for Zwift, and and it just sort of it kind of. What did he do? Did he come in under the door or through the window or suddenly it was there? (laughs) 
with no big fanfare like or anything. The manhole covered just <laughs> off the top. Yeah, I think what happens here is Zwift lose a bit of control going to the Apple Store and the Apple ecosystem because their things yeah. have to be verified and tested and like maybe release on their schedule. So they lose a bit of control there. I think this may have just sort of snuck out. As you said, through the window or down the chimney, it's that time of year. <laughs> who knows who delivered this? Um, but uh, I, I guess what happened is there was a good timing of a few things because it's been in beta for six months plus, I think. I ran out and got a Gen 4 Apple TV and then I've signed up for the beta. I, was, I got in, which was a good thing. I was testing it every now and then and the experience was getting a little bit, you know, less and less interesting compared to the PCs I have behind me. Then the Gen 4, or sorry, not the Gen 4, the 4K version of Apple TV came out. Now, mm. the name 4K is a bit misleading because it works on any television. It's just the newer hardware mm. that can work mm. on a 4K television. It's actually, I think, the fifth generation Apple TV. The experience on that is amazing. Look, I didn't overplay it too much in my video. I just want to present facts and side-by-side -side things and tell people, you know, make up their own decision. I was blown away. It was unbelievably good. For a mm. device not built for um, 3D gaming, um, and as a solution, uh, under uh, well, under two hundred dollars everywhere else except Australia and and New Zealand, we pay probably two hundred and fifty dollars for that device. That's a really really good solution. So, but yeah, I was surprised at the release. And even Eric commented somewhere on Zwift Riders. If, if listeners are uh, subscribed to that, they'll see that Eric goes, "Oh, something about oh, thanks for keeping it under wraps or something with a bit of a smiley." <laughs> but, uh, I don't think they minded. Uh, the hardcore went and downloaded, and it is up there, high up on the rankings of the health and fitness apps. I believe it was was it top three, maybe top one in the US. Mm. It hit mm. top nine here in Australia. That's not too bad at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wow. There's not many more cost-effective ways of getting a good Swift experience if you've got, like, no hardware. You know, if you're a new subscriber mm. and is right, how do I do this Swift thing and what hardware do I need? I mean, if somebody came to me with that question, I would say go and get mm. Apple TV. I mean, it's just yeah. so easy. Yeah, for sure. But we've got to look at the total cost of ownership here as well. So the Apple TV itself has no screen. So you've got to have mm. a screen. Usually everyone has a screen. Yeah. For the best experience as well, you need Zwift Mobile Link, so that requires you to have a mobile phone. Now, Android and iOS versions of the Zwift Mobile Link work, so you've got to have a phone. And you've got to have a Bluetooth-compatible trainer or smart trainer, mm -hmm. plus heart rate monitor, plus every and your bike. So total cost of ownership doesn't change a lot, but when people say, what do I need to get up and running with the, the existing things that I have, that is a cheap way to go, definitely. $200. 200 pounds, 200 euros, it's, it's a no-brainer, it really is. Yeah. Though there is yeah. a few catches with the Bluetooth connections that I talk about in the videos, and it has been published on the, the Zwift facts and the, the user guides, so watch that. But uh, no, really, I, I was very surprised. It was really, really good. Yeah, I mean, for, 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 for what is a simple solution, and it, it, has, it, it is a simple solution when you get it. It's, it's a lot more simple than it seems. But for a simple solution, people do have a lot of questions about it. And I actually watched in its entirety, mm -hmm. including a, the minute and a half reverential unboxing sequence Shane I like the way that you <laughs> I, li I liked the way that you so slowly took off oh. that piece of cellophane I mean it was there was there was I had to oh. tell you Shane Miller there was a slight kind of striptease oh, element to that Look, I sped up the unboxing part because people don't want to see me flip through. But that part where you peel off the protective... Everybody listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. peeling off the screen it'll never be that clean again. And within a few seconds, my fingerprints were all over it. But that, that, that few moments where it was perfect. <laughs> that was a really good video to make, actually. I, uh, I, I put it in chapters. 
Um, I wanted to give people what the entire experience was because a lot of the time it's like, oh, it's on Apple TV. Here's how you do it. But it's like, well, what is that? Some people haven't unboxed an Apple TV. Here's the experience. Here's what it's like. Here's what to expect. And now you're familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, if anybody's got any questions at all, I just want to know how it looks, how it works, what it looks like on the screen, and in fact, some really good comparisons with other platforms. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely watch that video. Um, a, a really, really, really good explainer from Shane. Definitely go for that. Okay. Uh, so, Nathan, come to you next to talk about the third annual, the third, yeah, it is the third, the third annual WBR ride Zwiftathon in aid of World Bicycle Relief and getting bikes to kids in Africa. Big events, comes up every December. Loads and loads and loads and loads of Zwifters take part. Uh, really, really good thing for the platform to do. Makes everybody feel good, helps the charity, gets people riding together. It is it is a really, really good day. What are you doing for it this year, Nathan? Yeah, so for the WBI Ride on Zwift 24 Hours, we are doing what hopes to be a 24-hour stream, actually. Uh, I can't uh, release too many details on it, but um, we are definitely going to be live streaming some stuff throughout the day. I'll probably do a ride of my own. The first time around, I did a 13-hour ride, I believe, in 250 miles or something the first year. Um, the last two years, has been mainly broadcasting-focused, uh, but uh, great day out on Zwift. And, and I think Zwift's going to have group rides running all day long to encourage yeah. people to be a part of something to make it social. So we'll be there as Zwift Community Live to support that with live streaming all day long. As Nathan was was saying uh, there, uh, there's going to be Zwift rides all day long. And, and one of the, the exciting things uh, about those, apart from, from contributing to this great charity, is that you do get the chance to ride with lots of pro riders, uh, former and present and big Ooh. names. And uh, one of them is Lawrence Tendam. And I just got a few words with Lawrence. Rich, such a friendly guy, a really nice guy. I just got a few words with him uh, in advance of him leading a ride on the WBR. Uh, Lawrence, welcome to the Zwiftcast. Where are you? I'm on my way to Maastricht. Tonight we have some kind of a get together with, uh, with all my former training buddies and in Masters with Tom Dumoulin and Tankink and uh, Jos van Emde and those guys. So tomorrow I train in Masters again. And have you been out training today? Yeah, I just did 135k, so it's been a good day. It's a busy day, but a good day. Lots of Zwifters will know Lawrence from his famous wake-up rides, which ran through much of last winter, early morning jobs. Uh, the news is he started them again, but in a fairly low-key fashion. Like, uh, like uh, it started stealth. Which means I just say a time like 7 a.m. start finish line Watopia. We do a few laps, and then last year we put it a little bit more official, you know, with the uh, with the starting area. We have like uh, it's, it's all scheduled, but uh, there was a lot of obligation for me <laughs> to be on time and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, but pro riders are always on time for their training rides, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Thing is, I come back after a few months of, uh, of non-swifting, and there are a lot of new roads on the on the island. So uh, yeah. I'm enjoying it again. You know, like. Uh, Do you like the jungle extension? Yeah, I did it last. Uh, I did it yesterday, the first time. You know, with all the monkeys flying around, and <laughs> it's pretty cool. Actually, <laughs> so we did. A, uh, yesterday we had a nice wake up ride with, I guess, eight people showed up. You know, like 
I just put uh, something out on Twitter. And then eight people are the crazy enough to, to join me 7 a.m. And uh, it was nice. Okay, so if Zwifters want to catch a ride with Lawrence Tendam, 7 a.m. European time and follow you on Twitter, is that the thing to do? Yeah, Twitter. Most of the time I put it on Twitter, but sometimes also on my Strava or uh, Instagram. I just brought it up actually and right on World Bicycle Relief. Uh, it looks like 24 hours on Zwift for 2017 is uh, looking for a million miles and $250,000 to benefit WBR. So definitely jump out. Uh, amazing. That's amazing. So I'm excited uh, for sure to help out with that effort. Yeah. Now it's um, it's always a really good day, and I will be uh, just just people might want to know actually. There's a, a, a I'll publish a longer version of that chat with Lawrence Tendam. Um, the bit we just heard there was 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 quite general, but he talked specifically about WBR, and I'll put a longer version of that up in a special uh, standalone video, which you'll be able to find in the usual places. Um, okay, fellas. Well, that's just about it actually for, for what's been quite a serious Zwiftcast actually uh, I guess understandably because there have been serious matters to discuss money always gets people het up um, it certainly managed to do that over the price rise it's been a difficult moment for Zwift I know behind the scenes there's been Oh, what's the right word for it? Behind the scenes, they've, they've, well, they've been obviously closely watching this. And, and when I think almost every word that people have said about it has been read inside Swift. And you can imagine the kind of effect that has on the people that work there, both good and bad. So um, I think this this podcast has has sort of reflected the fact that there's been a quite a serious moment for the company and the, and the community, actually. Um, so let's have a little bit of fun before we go away, uh, because we ought to do that. Um, now, this was just completely hilarious. Totally, <laughs> totally hilarious. I'm sure you boys saw this. But on a on a, quite a big cycling works, works oh, actually, gosh, I see there was this hilarious post from somebody who wrote, I think about 75% of it in capital letters, which is always a worry. <laughs> Uh, and basically, he was, he ranted and ranted and ranted. You know, I mean, you could feel the anger dripping out of the post um, about how Zwift was killing cycling. And uh, local bike shops were going bust in their hundreds of thousands because they were no longer flogging uh, winter clothing and, and studded tyres. Studded tyres was a big problem for this dude. There were studded tyres <laughs> not being sold in their hundreds of thousands across the known universe. And this was all Zwift's fault, definitely. Zwift, I think actually he said Zwift was not only killing winter cycling, Zwift was in fact a cycling killer. Zwift is killing cycling. Shane, respond, rant back. I mean, did you see it? Did I've you see that nothing. post? I've got I did. I did. I, I responded and I said, uh, not what I wanted to say. I'm, I'm a true bloke. Well, say it now, Shane. Say it now. Say what you want to say no, now. No, <laughs> I'm no. Having, I'm having a pleasant day today. I said, that's an interesting perspective, and I don't think anybody else shares that perspective. I think that's as bad as... It was that's phenomenal. pathetic. No, it, that is a pathetic response. 
It was a thing of beauty there, Rant, though, because I love seeing others' opinions and other um, ideas. I mean, this is why it's great being part of the Zwift community. You see a lot of people, their rants come from a good place of wanting to enhance things. This rant didn't. <laughs> this was opposite. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I'm speechless. What can we say? <laughs> Swift is killing cycling. Oh Swift is definitely killing cycling. Well, Nathan, I hope you have been single-handedly supporting uh, bike shops, and I hope you've bought at least twenty-five studded tyres, sets of studded tyres this winter oh to get gosh. you get you through there. I mean, and I mean, we do laugh, and and frankly, is the whole thing is completely ridiculous and comical. Uh, but there is a sort of serious point here. In in the, I suppose bike shops have got to adapt a bit to the way that cycling is changing over winter. And certainly my, my the, the, the more forward-thinking local bike shop in my part of the forest has now got a big, big indoor cycling area. It's got a Zwift testing station. And I would imagine that the portion of the shop that it was allocated to selling, you know, padded jackets and, of course, studded tyres has, has, has probably kind of contracted a bit to accommodate... Um, accommodate a bigger, bigger, you know, indoor cycling display. I, I think that is actually reasonably common, or I think that's going to be a trend that, that that's going to happen. I mean, do, 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 do have you seen that? I've seen this response in the more northern regions of Wisconsin from yeah. shops that might have over inventory of fat bike things that they thought they were going to sell. And I'm wondering if this individual... <laughs> works at, owns, or has some sort of investment in the fat bike market that was yeah, unexpectedly yeah. no longer selling. Um, and suddenly all of cycling, the Tour de France is over, boys and girls. Swift has destroyed it. I mean, so, I mean, here's a, like an adaptation, like you said, the forward thinking, right? Like, they started investing in e-bikes. They saw the fat bike coming. They got fat bikes. Somebody who might have been a little behind the ball and now just bought fat bikes and really invested in that. And now all of a sudden indoor cycling's growing. Might have missed the memo a little bit. So, um, you know, get some trainers. And, you know, if yes. you really like fat biking and outdoor cycling, that's cool. And you should continue to push that alongside of this other thing people like you know there's a market out there you have to respond to about what people are buying mm. and not just what you want to push so yeah, yeah. i don't know good rant <laughs> yeah. yep so yeah it was yeah. comical there's yeah. my rant there's my rant i'm trying to be encouraging at the same time <laughs> <laughs> well i I'm, I'm, I'm glad you've given us a decent rant because that was a completely <laughs> pathetic effort from shane miller pathetic pathetic <laughs> shane miller <laughs> Uh, so, I, you know, I, I hardly dare come to you to, to plug one of your many products before we end the plot podcast, Shane, you know, after that awful low standard rant. And also, oh <laughs> also, you know, I, I gave your uh, Apple TV video another plug. So um, come on, redeem yourself before the end of the podcast. I've got nothing. I've got to keep it positive. I'm pushing towards 40,000 subscribers over on YouTube. Uh, views have hit over 6 million views. Um, and this time of year is going, it's, it's red hot. People want to know about trainers, want to know how to hook trainers up, how to do a few Swift to Swift tips. Things are busy, busy, busy. Um, I've got trainers 
loaded up behind me here to talk about. We've got Apple TV stuff to dive into for people. So check out my YouTube channel, subscribe over there. And Simon, these videos go up on YouTube as well. So any Zwiftcast listeners, yeah. get over to Simon's channel and subscribe there to watch the video, watch us laugh. You'll see a lot of um, non-verbal communication happening with these video casts <laughs> as well. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Actually, I, I, hardly, <laughs> I hardly dare point people to my, my channel, Shame, because it has a pathetic pathetic number of subscribers compared to yours utterly utterly pathetic it's still good content though well thank you very much I'm, I'm very flattered I'm very flattered you think that uh, Nathan um, I guess the next big thing for you is WBR isn't it yeah I've got that on the you know out there plugging toward it for sure thinking about what's happening at the end of the week here with the 24 hours of management around things but that's going to be awesome and uh we also have a lot growing within the streaming community, right? Zwift Community Live. So there's going to be a real big push on the community side of that now. We've got a pretty good handle on what we provide out there. But then we want to start really encouraging the growth of live streaming with the community. So we are possibly launching an affiliate and partner program down the road, hopefully, that we can... Uh, um, bring to you guys to help those who want to uh, stream Zwift out there at uh, in an awesome way. So super excited about that as well. Great. Well, that that does sound good. That sounds like uh, a, a quite a big development for for CCL. We shall watch with interest. Okay, lads. Uh, thank you very much indeed for that one. As I say, a serious one. I think we redeemed ourselves at the end. Actually, had a bit of a laugh. Um, but... <laughs> But money's always serious. Uh, Shane Miller's going to go away and brush up on his ranting skills. And uh, uh, Nathan, <laughs> he just made a gesture, a camera for video viewers there. Uh, Nathan, great to talk to you. Shane, always great to talk to you. Uh, great to talk to both of you. Thank you very much for your contribution, boys. Thank you very much indeed for this episode of the Swiftcast. Look forward to talking to you next time. See ya. Cheers, boys. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Just a reminder that although Zwift generously support the podcast, for which we are very grateful, they don't have any influence at all in anything that we say during the course of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. See you next time.